making sure any content you're creating is protected, what intellectual property rights are protected, um, that usage rights are protected, and then also the basics, getting paid on time. You want it to be in writing. You just heard a small clip from today's episode where we're talking all about legal contracts, copyright versus trademark, all of the legal things that tend to overwhelm us but are so necessary to understand to set the stage for sustainable and successful business. Welcome to the Conquering Chaos Podcast. I'm Erin E. Hooley, executive coach, speaker, and serial entrepreneur, as well as mother of six. And this is the ultimate hangout where I share all the juicy details behind building two multi-million dollar e-commerce businesses, Bailey's Blossoms and Peyton Bree. If you're looking to launch yourself to the next level in your personal and professional growth journey, you're in the right place. Grab a pen and paper because we're about to redefine what success looks like. So today's guest is Ashley Hightower, who is a lifestyle influencer and attorney. She runs her lifestyle blog and brand, Cobalt Chronicles, as well as a legal contracts business, Contracts for Creatives, where she provides legal contract drafting and review services, along with other legal consulting services to solopreneurs and small business owners. So Ashley, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I completely admire anybody who goes down this path of law and legal because it's one of those languages that I have a hard time speaking. So we're going to get into that and kind of break it down for everybody who kind of feels the same way. But first, I'd like to understand a little bit of your history and what led you down this path to begin with. Sure. So um, straight out of law school, I went to work like any good lawyer does at a big law firm. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. practiced financial services um, law for about four years there. And then at the four year mark, I kind of decided to make a change cities wise. So I ended up moving to Washington, D.C. from Birmingham, Alabama. And in Washington, I went to work for Bloomberg News, so more of a corporate nine-to-five role. Um, I was doing work as a legal editor there, so more writing and drafting, um, but still in a legal role. And while I was at Bloomberg, I actually started a lifestyle blog, Cobalt Chronicles. And once I got more into the creative community in D.C., I realized that there was such a niche and a need for contract for creative entrepreneurs. So the more bloggers, photographers, graphic designers I was meeting and chatting with and becoming friends with, um, I realized that there was just this really big need for contracts in that space where these uh, creative entrepreneurs weren't necessarily reaching out to big law firms to help them with their work. So I started Contracts for Creatives business out of that. I love that. So, I mean, obviously you went from a very traditional route to leaving that and taking a much more independent and entrepreneurial route. Did did you see that coming as you were going to school? Did you have aspirations for this? Um, no, not at all. <laughs> um, I went to law school with the same idea that I think most people that go to law school do, that I would go through the three years and go to work at a traditional law firm. Um, Once I got there, it was kind of what I expected. I mean, I worked really long hours, um, you know, the like stereotypical stuff you hear about first year associates. And um, then when I made the switch to the corporate world, I thought that was kind of like, oh, okay, this is better. I have more control of my time. Um, But then eventually I got 
kind of bored of that as well. And so I think once I realized that there was this whole other world where people were able to do things um, in a non-traditional way, and once I figured out that there was a way I could use my legal degree and still um, work for myself, uh, that became like clear that that's what I wanted to make happen. So while I was in the corporate role, I was you know hustling on the side and trying to figure out like, okay, how can I make this work and uh, make this whole like legal thing a uh, career, but not working under somebody in a traditional corporate America role. Absolutely. I love that. So clearly, and it sounds like you were spurred by seeing the needs of other people in a relatively similar sphere to which you were kind of dabbling in. So what are the exposed vulnerabilities that you saw and that you were trying to therefore provide a fix for? And why does it matter? Why should people take note? Sure. So um, the way I got into it, obviously, was through blogging. So I started off um, realizing that bloggers need contracts when they're dealing with brand collaborations and, um, you know, just working with brands on different projects. So in chatting with a lot of blogger friends of mine and then also photographers, I um, saw the need to protect them from not only just their content usage. So that's a big thing in those type of contracts, like making sure any content you're creating is protected, what intellectual property rights are protected, um, that usage rights are protected. And then also, um, you know, the like basics getting paid on time, like you want it to be in writing and <laughs> no, right, right. um, no matter what business is business you're in, if you're providing a service for somebody, you know, you want to make sure that those terms are in writing and that you have a document to refer back to. Absolutely. So what are a few, obviously just shared a few examples of when you need a contract in small business. At what point in somebody's business would you recommend that they begin building this foundational setting? Um, so I always recommend anytime there's any money being exchanged. So um, there are a few exceptions to that. If you're doing, you know, a trade type of exchange for work, if it's like a large value. But in general, I think when you're starting to exchange money and get money for services that you're providing, I think that it's important to have everything in writing to make sure everyone's on the same page from the beginning and just having a document that everyone can refer back to if there are any questions on the um, relationship. Absolutely. And, and obviously, communication is not always clear. A lot of times people will leave the same conversation, taking away two very, very different conclusions to what they thought the con general consensus was, which is the whole concept of putting it on paper. But how valid is having an actual contract versus having a paper trail in an email format or text message? Um, so it's important to have a signed legal contract and, you know, a legal contract can be something written on a napkin. So it can be, um, I mean, I would, wouldn't recommend that, but <laughs> a document where all of the terms of your agreement are in one place and each party's signature and the date of the signature um, is included in the document. So you can, I mean, it's pretty obvious that that's so much easier to refer back to than having to chase down a you know, train of emails. Um, and especially it becomes important if there's any disagreements later down the line. So most times when you uh, get into a, to an agreement with a client or, you know, you're starting out a collaboration with a brand, um, everyone is on good terms, but <laughs> the contract becomes very important when down the line, there might be a disagreement over something. And especially if you get far down the line and they're, um, 
you know, becomes the court becomes involved. So you want to have a single document that you can point to to reference any of the disagreements and, um, you know, always go back to the original terms of the contract. Okay. And so this is specific to people working with photographers, influencers, any person with some type of creative asset or element that they are providing to you, whether in a service or a a photograph, a um, some form of artwork that you're reproducing, et cetera. Is that correct? Sure. And I mean, a lot of my clients too are providing just service-based based, um you know, services like a wedding planner or um, an event planner. Um, I do work for graphic designers. So no matter if you're providing a physical product or um, just a service-based product, um, either way, it's important to have everything in writing. Awesome. Now I'm thinking back to when I first started my business. Funds are tight. I don't have a lot of extra to go around. I'm kind of setting the foundational settings for all different areas, nothing for marketing, nothing for to be able to hire an employee. So in a solopreneur setting where funds are tight, what are some hacks that they can kind of take advantage of to be able to save money and not spend an an excess in legal? Because I know that that is is a big concern and one reason why a lot of people just don't go down that path. Yeah. And I think that's one reason that I started this business as well. Um, I know that, you know, as a solo entrepreneur myself, I'm not going to go hire a large law firm to do the legal work that I need just because it's, you know, it's so expensive. (laughs) Um, So um, a few hacks are, you know, try to look for solo attorneys in your area that might be able to help. So if you are going to get an attorney to um, help with your contracts or legal needs, going to a smaller practice is always a good starting point. If you want to go even um, smaller on the budget, I would suggest um, drafting a contract yourself. And I don't always recommend that, but it is a good place to start, especially because then you can come to a person like me or another attorney and you already have something in hand. So for me, it takes me less time to review and revise a contract when somebody comes to me and they already have like put in effort um, to kind of outline the services they provide to their clients. And maybe they don't have all the legal language in there, but at least there's like a starting point. So it kind of cuts down on the hours um, that an attorney will have to spend reviewing and revising a contract contract. Um, yeah. So I think like, that's a good, good place to start. And also a good place to start too, is like something is better than nothing. So don't just say, well, I don't know what to do. So I'm just like, not going to have a contract. I mean, anything is better than nothing. Right. And I'm thinking back to the days where I would just take it to Google and say, what does a model release form look like? What does a photography release form look like? And then create my own templates. And then that's exactly what we did. We handed them over to somebody to say, hey, does this look good? What needs to be beefed up? What can be removed? What of this makes sense? What doesn't? And paid them for their advice to be able to finalize it and fine tune it for us. So let's talk about templates a little bit because a lot of times when people know what their product or service is that they provide they're kind of running in the same circles over and over again so what what types of templates can people use and reuse to be able to cut down on those repetitive costs as well yeah and like you said i mean a lot of people like they're providing one type of service and maybe it's not a specific type of service but like generally their clients are the same type of clients so creating a template that you as the business owner also it can you know to increase your efficiency, um, that you don't have to rewrite a whole contract every time you're, 
bringing on a new client. Um, so to have a template that that is easy to fill in just the costs, the you know dates that you're providing services or products. Um, so outlining a template and also I think it's important um, to have a, if you're in a type of business where you're going to be providing a proposal, so say you're in like a graphic designer or a wedding planner um, or any type of type of service where you have a proposal, that's all also a good way to avoid having to redraft your contract all the time because then you can just refer to the proposal in the actual contract mm-hmm. and so you don't have to um, insert every single little detail in your contracts. All those details can be in a proposal and the proposal can be referred to in the contract. Awesome. Okay, well, what about those who work with international entities or individuals? Are contracts that for for people in other countries is that is that a benefit as well and do they hold any merit yeah so um i'll just say that i think it's important to work with an attorney that specializes in international law in those cases um most of the time you'll just want to make sure that your contracts and that everything you're doing in your business is being governed by the u.s law so making that you know there can be a section in your contract that addresses that saying that anything um that is described in the contract described in the agreement um is all under u.s law and u.s law governs the contract um and any actions that come out of the contract um to go any like further than that um i would suggest having an international law attorney take a look at your contracts and also yeah i just like to ensure that it also depends like on what countries you're dealing with so it can get kind of murky yes it can um, <laughs> yeah. so i would advise like reaching out to an attorney that specializes in, in international law and obviously even like more niche than that like you know that has the, the, an attorney that understands your industry as well absolutely and I, and I think one of the biggest mistakes that i've seen entrepreneurs make especially when you're first starting out is thinking man i'm so small no one's going to notice no one's going to notice whether i have this this isn't going to happen to me i'm going to take my chances cross my fingers and hope for the best but i've also from personal experience found that the larger you get or the more naive you can be in entering you have a target on your back whether you know it or not whether you're naive you have a target on your back or if you become if you're getting bigger and you're not uh, your foundation hasn't been set properly. You have a target on your back. So what are the most common mistakes that you've seen small business owners make and what can they do to help mitigate that and protect themselves before, uh, before the worst possible scenario happens? Sure. Yeah. So I think it comes back to always having a the contract in place, no matter how small you are. And like I said, anything is better than nothing. So what happens a lot of the time and people come to me and I get emails saying, you know, I'm now in trouble and, or not necessarily even in trouble. It's like a brand has used these photos and, you know, they aren't paying me for them. This isn't what I thought they were going to use them for. And then I ask, well, did you have a contract? And they say no. And so, um, it's hard to, 
you know, to make any enforcements or to even protect you and your business if you don't have, like you, exactly like you said, if you don't have a foundation to work off of. So I just think the number one tip is like something is better than nothing. So no matter how small you are, you need to be preparing for the future. And like, hopefully that's always the goal is to grow your business and grow bigger. And you want to just lay the foundational pieces from the beginning. So having a contract with anyone that you do business with um, from the get go. And, and then you're able to refine the contract as you move through and, you know, gain more traction and gain more clients um, and figure out, you know, where are my pain points? And um, that way you're able to have a really solid contract in place by the time anything may arise where you need to refer back to the contract. Absolutely. You know, I think it's really easy for us to want to say, hey, I'm just going to trust everybody. Everybody's a great person. Um, but to to bank on working with integrity-based businesses and integrity-based individuals all the time when a lot of the p people that we're corresponding with and collaborating with, we just plain don't know, mm -hmm. is a very risky type of way to run our businesses. And it can be very unsettling if you are then slapped or, with or surprised by a false accusation or allegation made against you or your company or what you're trying to do or somebody not responding in the way that you had anticipated they would based off of the metrics of being nice as a human. <laughs> right, right. And I think sometimes um, our excitedness about, you know, those new clients or new collaborations or new opportunities that come through the door sometimes overtake our, um, you know, practical <laughs> mindset where you know you need a contract, but like it seems too good to be true. So you just go with it. Um, but I think we need to, you know, kind of just like step back a few steps, like make sure you're always protecting you and your business and um, kind of looking out for you as number one. Absolutely. So obviously you are a wealth of information and knowledge on this. Do you blog about this as well? Um, yes. So I have on my contracts website. So it's ashleyhightower.com is where you can find all of my contracts uh, business. And I have a blog there as well. So I, I publish blog posts there um, on legal related topics. So we kind of go into different topics such as like, what is in, perpetu in perpetuity mean? A lot of people ask me that question all the time. Like, when do you need a trademark? Um, you know, different just like little legal topics that I try to break down and make easy for anyone to understand that's kind of popping over to my site. So um, always, you know, welcome topic ideas too. I'm always happy to answer questions. Um, so yeah, there's a blog over there on that site where um, I share kind of legal topics and blog posts. Absolutely. And let's break into just a couple of those really quickly here as well. Can you break down the difference between a trademark and a copyright and when you need each? Sure. So, okay, let me see if I can break this down. Easy way to understand. So copyright is... Um, when you create something in a tangible form that can be, be protective. So um, if that is, if you're an author and you are writing a ebook or a published book, you are, the, the copy of the writing is copyright protected. Or if you're a photographer taking a photo and you print that photo, or if you, it's digital, um, that can be copyright protected. Uh, something with copyright too is that, once the work is created, the copyright automatically attaches to it. So you, as the creator, have the copyright to that product. Without um, registering for it? Without registering. So copyright attaches automatically. The um, issue where 
the copyright filing and registering becomes important is if you have to enforce that copyright. So the only way that you can go to court to try to enforce the copyright is that you have to have registered it. So that's where it becomes important. So if you have something um, in writing that you think, you know, is, is like a great idea, or if you have a photograph that like you're going to use to, um, you know, that you think is going to be like bigger than just this one-off photograph. Right. I right. think it's important right. to register it with the, to red, get a registered copyright on it, just so you have the um, you know the clout to bring it to court if necessary. Copyright uh, the date attaches when you when you create the work, so um, you can so th that would be the creation date. Uh, the date for filing does become important if it ever goes to court. So the earlier you file and register your copyright um, is better, um, but. Yeah, so so that's kind of like the copyright side. Okay. <laughs> and then the trademark side is if you have a, a brand name, a logo, um, a trade dress. So, for example, um, if we all walked into a McDonald's and there were no golden arches, you probably would still know it's a McDonald's. And same thing with, like, Taco Bell. Like, you walk in there, you see their colors, um, their marks, their logos. Um, so if you have a logo, a brand name, um specific, uh, like the way you write your logo, um, anything like that, that those can be trademarked. So the trademark process is um, a little more intense than copyright. Copyright is a pretty simple process, and this all happens on the United States Patent and Trademark Office website. Um, the trademark process is just a little more in depth where you have to uh, submit an application takes about three months to uh, get a review on it and then you kind of go back and forth with the office until you can su successfully have your trademark registered right so and ultimately could somebody not fight against your trademark and say no I don't want them to have this and here's why um no so the way that it would work is uh the if you submit your application and there's something already registered uh there, the the examining attorney who receives your application should note any other logos or brands or any other trademark that might conflict with yours. Yes. Um, but once they approve it, so if they approve your trademark, it will go into a uh, publication and a register where there's a time where anyone who believes that you are infringing on their trademark, they can submit. Um, submit a documentation to say, you know, she shouldn't be allowed to have this trademark because it infringes on mine. So there is a period of time um, if your trademark gets approved before it gets the official stamp of approval where it will be subject to um, scrutiny that way. Interesting. Thank you. I know that this is a lot of information and we're kind of throwing it all at you. And yeah. I know that you have so much more that you want to share as well. So can you remind everybody again, where can they find you? I'm on Instagram at contracts for creatives. Um, and then my, my other business, my blogging world lifestyle blog is also connected there. So you can kind of, kind of hop on over from there, but yeah, I'm always on Instagram at contracts for creatives. Wonderful. Can I give one more just like yes, um, disclaimer that all of this is just my opinion. It's not legal advice. So just throwing that out there, just a little, you know, yep. attorney tagline. Perfect. I wouldn't expect anything <laughs> less. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate you taking the time to, to be with me today. 
Thanks for joining me today on the Conquering Chaos podcast. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. So take a quick screenshot and tag me on social at Erin Hooley or leave me a review so I can share the love. Thanks again. I hope you're leaving feeling empowered to get out there and conquer some chaos.